thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more, right? It's always great to get your focus on the glory of God. And uh, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he comes to the last couple of verses, and that's explicitly what he does. And uh, we want to take a look at that uh, this morning in uh, just a couple of minutes. We um, have had different speakers in, obviously, as we search for a pastor. And Daniel came and started us in that uh, theme of Romans 15. And uh, it was interesting because I had asked Pastor Ian to come and preach, and then we found out he was going to preach the same text that Daniel was going to preach. So he'd preached through the book of Romans, so he just bumped down a service and then into chapter 16. And, and so I'm in New Brunswick last week uh, watching the service here thinking, I preached from Romans, I could finish the book. And, uh, and so we can do a little bit of a mini-series out of it. We, uh, we like to think we're smart enough to plan those things we're not. That was in God's hands, and he worked that out. And so we rejoice in the fact that we get to uh, stay in this book for uh, one more week. I was so thankful uh, that Ian preached the first part of Romans 16, because I know when I preached it, I just absolutely trashed the names. And uh, I don't know if he said them right or not, but he said them with such confidence that I was convinced he said them right. And uh, so he left me the easy part. But just thinking back of last week's message about a dedicated church, um, the kind of people that it takes. I love Romans 16. When I think about Phoebe, a woman of God, centered out by Paul in this letter to the Romans as a servant, as, a, as one who served. And then I think of um, Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, the, the thing that always struck me about them is that um, they risked their necks for my life. What, what kind of commitment does it take somebody to Jesus Christ where, where you're willing to stick your neck out for somebody else, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the list goes on all the way through, and it's just an amazing, uh, amazing passage. The whole book of Romans is like drinking from a fire hose, right? Um, I'm convinced that as um, this book was being written, Paul, I'm convinced. It doesn't mean it's true. Okay, I'm convinced. Um, he, he's getting to the end of what he wants to write, and there's this much space left on the parchment, and he's got to get a whole bunch of stuff in. And so chapter 16 is just filled with all kinds of stuff because they're running out of paper, and he just had to get it all said and all done, and he just pours it out. It's a little bit like the whole book was like that. This is a book that he wrote to this church. It's a book that's filled with theology, and it's a book that finishes with doxology. And so uh, Romans chapter 16, I trust you've got your Bibles open. If you do, let's stand together and uh, let's read God's word. Um, I'm going to start in verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipitar, my kinsmen, and Tertius, who wrote this letter, I greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. 
Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for these amazing words that um, Paul dictated and Tertius wrote down and we have in front of us as we uh, consider them today and consider the glory. Um, Father, consider it in, it in it for the glory, Lord, as we, we serve you, Father, in it for the glory, as we live our lives for your fame, in it for the glory, as we uh, focus, as we raise our kids, as we live in the workplace, as we deal with difficult times, in it for the glory. But Lord, not my glory, not our glory, for your glory. And so give us ears to hear your words today. Would you give us minds to be able to comprehend what your word is telling us to do? And if there's difficult things to do, Lord, we would do them because we're in it for your glory. We want you to be lifted up. We want you on the pedestal. We want you on the throne. We want your fame, God. That's what we desire today. Thank you for this amazing book that, that Paul wrote to the Romans. And I pray, God, that it would refresh us and encourage us today to live lives for your fame, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, you've heard me say it around here many times, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Man's chief end is what? To glorify God. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, we get that wrong so often in our lives. I get it wrong so often in my life. It becomes about my enjoyment and what I want. And, and everything I do every day is not focused towards the glory of God as it ought to be. But we're being sanctified. So we're trusting that more and more every day as we be become conformed to the image of Christ, we are, we are demonstrating we're about God's glory. He's the one who is on the throne, not me. He's the one who deserves the praise, not me. A little lesson I learned a number of years ago was when I pray, I prayed it today, that, that God would be our strength today. Not God would give us strength. That's not wrong to pray, obviously. But that God would be our strength. When you, when you see that God is your strength, then the glory goes back to him. You're not tempted to take the glory for yourself. And so as you live your life, as you go to work, as you're with your family, God God, would you be our strength so that, Father, we would get the glory back where it belongs. The glory would be to you. And uh, out of this text, I want to pick three things today for us to take a look at. Um, here's the first thing. God's glory protects. God's glory protects. Uh, look at verses, uh, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. You see, when you're a person who's about the glory of God, the things that are not about God, the things that are, not, are sinful, are not the things that you desire and you want to see them dealt with. A church that doesn't deal with sin is a church that's not about the glory of God. You say all the right things, you can say all the, the, sing all the right songs, but if you're not about dealing with sin when it's there, you're not about the glory of God. 
when you just kind of let it slip and you just kind of let this push that under the rug, we're, we're not going to deal with it. It's because you're not about the glory of God. If you're about the glory of God, you would see what it is, you would call it out for what it is, and you would deal with it in a godly way so that he is the one that gets the glory. Now, if you're like me, it's like, yeah, but that's going to hurt. That's going to be hard. That's going to be difficult. Yes, it is. But at the end, it's what we're called to. And so I just love as Paul comes to this part of the book, and as I'm saying, it's like there's not much room left on the paper, and he's got a few things left to say, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. Watch out. Keep your eyes peeled. Small group leaders, watch out. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, Hope Kids leaders, watch out. Keep your eyes peeled. Youth workers, watch out. Keep your eyes peeled. All of us in the church as followers of Jesus Christ, watch out. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes focused for those who cause division and those who create obstacles. The idea of causing division is one against another. And somebody who is in the church who's always like putting, placing people up against another, um, they're causing division. Watch out for them. Watch out for them. They are a serious problem in the church. If you're that person, watch out because there's a, a consequence that's coming for you. And there's a consequence for all of us in these things. So watch out. Watch out for the person who causes division. Watch out for the person who creates obstacles. Um, rules, regulations, jumping through hoops. You know, the committee of you've got to do it this way. I'm glad we don't have committees in our church, but the committee, you've got to do it this way if you're going to do it the right way. Um, and, and so watch out for that person. I grew up in a system as a kid that, that had a lot of rules and regulations. And, and the rules and regulations became more important than the Word of God was. Um, we... To the point, I believe, when we heard the gospel, when we were taught, it was like, you need to clean up the outside of the vessel. And it's like, stop that kind of teaching. Let the Lord deal with those things. We live in a world that's rampant with sin. And and quite frankly, it'd be nice for us if people would clean up before they would come to church. But the reality is that's not how it works. Um, I love that you read Psalm 73. Like, this whole church knows that's my life first, right? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. That's where God starts his work. God is the strength of my heart and his, my portion, forever. Watch out for people who put rules in place, who put regulations in place. You don't, you don't clean up the outside. Let the Lord work in the heart and then allow God to work in that person too. Sanctify them as a follower of Jesus Christ. Watch out. Watch out. Rules, regulations, jumping through hoops, contrary to the doctrine. Not talking about doubtful things that are found in, even in chapter 14, there were things you have to wrestle your way through, but the things that are clear. Watch out to people who are contrary to the doctrine on this is the word of God, this is the whole word of God, and he's given it to us. If somebody's not teaching that, watch out for them. Watch out for the person who says there's more than one way to God. You just find your path. Yeah, yeah, I come to this church, and I know Jesus and all the rest, but I'm not so sure. Watch out for those people. Watch out for those who are contrary to the doctrine. They're not after the glory of God. 
They're not focused on the glory of God. Watch out for them. And then it says, avoid them. Avoid them. I wrote in my notes, who's influencing who? You know, so often you hear those things nattering in you, just coming at you all the time, all the time, all the time. And you find yourself getting sloppy in your own thinking. And, and Paul's really clear. He said, avoid those kind of people. Anybody in your life right now who is um, that person who's causing division, who's creating obstacles, get away from them. Stay away from them. Does that mean we don't pray for them? Does that mean we don't speak truth to them? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about how this influences us, and we need to be so careful. Why? Because we want to be about the glory of God. We want to be about God on the throne. We want him to be first. Watch out. Watch out. Why? Why is that so important? Well, look what he says in verse 18. In verse 18, he says, For such persons, look at it, do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, literally their own belly. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. They do not serve Christ. Wow. What an indictment. What an indictment if that's you. What an indictment if that's me. You're not serving the Lord Christ. If you're a divisive person, if, if you're seed, putting seeds of discourse in the church, they don't serve Christ. They don't serve Christ. They sound good. They have flattery. It feels good. But the result is that we're just, people are deceived. And young Christians, especially people who are new in the faith, who haven't had the time and haven't been in the Word and all the rest can get so distracted by those things. And, and so as a church, we have a responsibility to watch out for them. We have a responsibility to avoid them. We have a responsibility to call them out because mature Christians rooted in the Word would be able to sniff that out. You, can, you see it. You understand it. You can call it out, but it affects the church. And so if we want to be about the glory of God, we need about being real, protecting, warning, watching out. But can't we just come to church and just have a good time and sing some songs and clap our hands and learn new songs and go home? And mm -hmm. But if somebody's not watching out for the doctrine, if somebody's not watching out for the truth, if somebody's not watching out for what is right, what happens is slippage happens and the, the walls start to crumble and it's not what it ought to be. So he says, watch out. Um, we want to be about God's glory. Being about God's glory means doing the hard things. Um, here's another one. Um, in verse 19, we get down to God's glory overflows with encouragement and hope. And so as he's coming to the end of this book, he puts that out there. He wants them to understand because that can destroy the church. But then he gets into the next part, and we see God's glory overflows with encouragement and hope. When glory is the goal, encouragement and hope always, always, 
um, are a byproduct. Look down at verse 19. He gets on there. He says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with you. We see here these people of God who are filled with obedience to the word of God. For I rejoice over you. I rejoice over you. And um, the call for us is a call to obedience. A call to fulfilling what God has laid out for us. A call to honor the Lord God, to honor the Word of God, to honor the fellowship together in Jesus Christ. It's so good to see people here coming back to church. It's, it's so important. It's, it's part of what we do as the body. It's how we have a true accountability to each other. And so along with the Word and along with a focus on Jesus Christ, a, a coming together, the one another's of the Bible and, and doing that, well, he saw in them obedience, and the obedience that he saw in them caused him uh, to rejoice. Um, verse 20, they also have peace. The God of peace, um, Philippians chapter 4 talks about the peace of God and the God of peace. That's what's available. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. We live in a world that's filled with turmoil. Um, we live in a world where the, uh, the political situation is, is turning against us every single day more and more. Are you trusting the God of peace? And do you have the peace of God? Knowing that he understands the beginning from the end. He will care for us. And the God of peace. And then I, I kind of like this next part. It's just a great picture will soon crush Satan under your feet. There's all kinds of things that could mean. Um, here's the thing I want you to notice. You don't crush Satan under your feet. right? You don't do that. If you, if you think you crush Satan under your feet, you're in for a, a, a heap of trouble. God crushes Satan under your feet. It's just a picture of we don't need to fear him. We understand who wins in the end. Um, and ultimately, that's where this will be accomplished. Ultimately, this will be accomplished at the return of Christ. But even now, Satan is defeated in Jesus Christ, crushed under his feet. Back in Genesis 3.15, it said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. I will bruise um, your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, Satan is going to be bruised. The head is going to be crushed. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so Satan is in his world, and he's seeking to devour, but the reality is his, his work is already defeated. He is already being crushed, and ultimately will be crushed under your feet. We don't need to fear him. We need to fear God and live for his glory and live for his fame. 1 John 4, 4, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we can have peace. And the verse goes on and it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Um, glorifying God always, always magnifies God's grace. Always. God's grace and God's mercy. You're not getting what you're deserving, and you're getting what you don't deserve. It all comes to us as we put the focus towards the glory of God. And I love how he does it even in this text. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Paul is encouraging those who are around with the fact that Satan is defeated. God's peace is yours. God's grace is yours. He goes on, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman, and Tertius, who wrote the letter, greets you in the Lord. Gaius, who is the host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greets you. He gets back into another list, people who he missed in the first half. He's like, I better make sure I take care of them. You ever been in a room where people were being thanked, and you're thinking you're supposed to be on the list, and, and you get missed? Now, I don't know how, how, these guys are probably way more spiritual than I am, but I'd be like, hey, what happened to me, Paul? Like, didn't I, wasn't I faithful, right? And so I, I'm not sure what Paul's thinking. I'm not pretending to think I understand that, but he comes back to these guys. He's got another whole small list of people. They, they need to be mentioned. They need to be mentioned because they too were faithful. Even if your name doesn't get on the list, be faithful. Just be faithful. Allow God to work through that. Um, I think Paul wanted us to, to understand the importance of gratitude in, in our journey of faith, and he tries to be thankful for faithful servants and people who were faithful to him. A couple little side notes in this text. It says, because um, everybody's like, well, I thought Paul wrote the book of Romans. It says right there that Tertius wrote the book of Romans. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Okay, so the answer to that question is Paul wrote the book. Tertius was the scribe. Uh, Paul is dictating, and Tertius is taking it all down. And uh, so that's the explanation for that. But maybe, maybe you can count. Um, the, apparently the guys who put the verse divisions in your Bible can't because it goes 22, 23, 25. Is everybody's Bible like that? Put your hand up if your Bible has no verse 24 in it. No verse 24. What happened to verse 24? Like, did they forget to write it down? It's like, Tertius, like, what happened to you? You were doing so well. You were keeping up with me. Obviously, you had a brain cramp at that point, and you forgot about verse 24. Um, that's not really what happened there. Um, scholars believe that verse 24 was added later to some versions, and uh, in a desire for accuracy, they left it out. You're like, well, but does it mean that something important got left out? Here's what, got, here's what got left out. The exact same words that are in verse 20. Um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Um, it was repeated. And in some of the manuscripts, it got repeated. And, and the writers just determined that's probably not really what it should have been. It got said, doesn't need to be said again. So nothing was left out. 
Nothing was missed in the text, but it's there, and it wouldn't be fair to me to go through and, uh, unless you can't count and um, go, whatever happened to that? So that's just a little bonus at the end, um, but no information was lost. No accuracy, no, um, accuracy is lost um, in that not being there. So, Okay, but back to the main point. God's glory is filled with gratitude. Paul's coming towards the end of the book. There's just a couple of verses left, and he's still filled with gratitude for the people who served and their faithfulness. Are you a person of God who, for the sake of the glory of God, are filled with gratitude? Or do you find yourself thinking more about, I hope people notice what I'm doing, instead of, look what they're doing. Look and, and just praise for what God is doing in them and through them. It wasn't Paul saying they were all that awesome. He's saying the work of God in their life was all that awesome, and that needs to be said. Be a person for the glory of God who is filled with gratitude. And then here's the third thing, third and the last thing. God's glory expresses doxology. God's glory expresses doxology. Um, look at verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Doxology is a word for glory. It's the apex. It's the mountaintop. It's the gold medal. Uh, we see them in Scripture. At the end of Jude, there's a doxology. There's a doxology in Corinthians. There's a doxology in Ephesians. There's... Doxology is a focus on the glory of God. It's a statement of praise to him. It's an expression of his infinite nature. Get this, true doxology is, is fueled by theology. True doxology is always fueled with theology. It's, it's raising God up. It's extolling him with statements about truth, about who he is and what he has accomplished Psalm 72, 19 says, Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Philippians 4, 20, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 2 Peter 3, 18, the second part, To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Jude 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Doxology, this word for glory, this gold medal moment is when it all kind of comes together for us, and it's where you can go back to every time and go get rooted back in these things. Get rooted back in these things. So, church, get rooted in the doxology of Romans chapter 16, the last uh, three verses. Let's go through it. Now to him, now to him. 
You know, as I was thinking about that, I, I, I thought back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who cares. He's the one who guides. He's the one who protects. Now to him. You could preach that for weeks. That's the right focus. When I have a right focus on him, the rest of things in life become a lot simpler to figure out because it's not to me, not to me, now to him. Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Now to him. That's the right focus. The next thing is the right working. The right working. Who is able to strengthen you. Think about all the things that God is able to do. And Paul, in this context, he gives us one. Who is able to strengthen you. Scriptures talk about how he's able to save to the uttermost. Um, talks about that he is able to deliver he is able to keep you from falling. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. These are all scriptures. He's able to comfort those who are afflicted. See, God is not only qualified, but he has the authority and the power, the right working, who is able. God is able. What do you have in front of you this week? What is the struggle that you have? What is the difficult thing that is coming to you? Um, Lord willing, I'm going to get on a plane on Tuesday carrying on my luggage. And I go to Calgary working with a church out there that's going through a difficult, difficult time. Now to him who is able. See, what they need, I can't solve. What, what needs to happen there, I can't. What we need as a church, I, I can't. The elders can't. The, the Lord has to be the one, right? Now to him. He is the right working. He is the one who has the strength to do what needs to be done. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. And then look at this next. This is the right message. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God. He starts with the present. He goes all the way back to the beginning of time with this, with this statement, this message. He says, according to my gospel. Now, is, is Paul saying, like, like, he is the gospel? No, he's saying, what I preach to you. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But the things that I preach to you, he goes on in the text according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. What I said, what Jesus Christ said, what Jesus Christ did, we're going back into history, according to the revelation of the, ministry, of the mystery that was kept secret from long ages, the whole Old Testament pointing towards Jesus Christ, they were waiting to see it fulfilled, and, and it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, long ages, and now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, which they have, has been made known to all generations, according to the command of the eternal God. This message, this truth, this thing, Paul's saying, that I taught you that was in Jesus Christ, that went back to eternity, that's what this doxology is. That's who this God is who we serve. And that's why he deserves the glory. My gospel. Back to that. My gospel. The gospel that Paul had preached. 
He's not saying that he was the good news. He's just saying the gospel that I had preached. Back in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophetic prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. And so basically he starts with that statement and then he ends the whole book with this doxology. It really ties back to the very beginning. Um, this gospel that we have in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross, when we receive, when we trust by faith, we are saved because we have this good news. Have you received the good news of Jesus Christ? You understand that the glory is not in what you can do. It's not in what you can accomplish. The glory is in what God has done and what he has accomplished for you. And you come to the place of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior because you know you're a failure before God. You can't accomplish what God requires. You can't accomplish your sin being taken away. Uh, you can't accomplish the price that had to be paid. That was all done by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ does that. And then it's all offered to us as a free gift. Stop believing in what you're trusting in, what you're hoping in, how good you think you can be, and get your eyes fixed on the one who accomplished it all for you. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? If you haven't, today you can. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I understand, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I can't fix this problem. I try and fix everything in my life, but I can't fix this problem. This problem could only be fixed by you, and you fixed it in the work on the cross and in your resurrection. And then that gift has been made available to me. As an eight-year-old kid, I trusted Christ. You have a I trusted Christ story. When you understand that where you sit today, your hope isn't in yourself. Because if you're the answer, you have the wrong answer when you stand before God. And so today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. This gospel... I, I, I'm seeking more and more over the last number of years, more and more every day, live out of the gospel, live out of the hope, live out of what Jesus Christ did. We have this, this gospel. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then the challenge and the preaching of the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It talks about the revelation of the mystery that has been kept secret for long ages. In Colossians 1.26 says, The mystery hidden for ages in generations, but now revealed to his saints, the mystery of Jesus Christ. And so we have this working of God in this 
a right message and, and then look, we see the right result. To bring about the obedience of faith. Why did Jesus Christ come? Why, why would Jesus Christ leave heaven and come? So that there would be the obedience of faith. So that people would trust Christ. So that the void between God and man could be satisfied by the work of Jesus Christ. Now that was the right result. Not only saving faith, faith that saved me, but faith that keeps me was the right result. And then here's the right goal. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. The goal to glorify God. The entire Bible is about the glory of God. It starts in the beginning, God. And the right goal is that we be people who would be glorifying him. And so how? How can you glorify God this week? Well, here's a few things. You can glorify God, first of all, if you've never trusted Christ, by believing in him, accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ, and God gets the glory. Um, you can glorify God by confessing him before men. When you, when you understand that God is on the throne and he is first, and I want people to know that I'm a God follower, I'm a Jesus Christ follower. You want to bring glory to God, you bring glory to God when you take the focus off of you and you put the focus on him by confessing him before him, before men. You can glorify God by praising him. Uh, the singing this morning was fantastic. That new song, that new song was a great song. I heard it a few weeks ago, and I've been singing it. So I was standing in the front row singing like a crazy man. I love that song. And, uh, and so we can glorify God by singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. But you can uh, glorify God by praising him in all kinds of ways throughout your week. It's not just what we do when we come together like this, right? We find things to praise God for. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about looking back and being filled with thanksgiving. Well, that's thanksgiving and praise. That's how you glorify God because when you are giving thanks, when you're praising him, you're saying, it's not about me, God, it's about you. Help us all to do that better. You can glorify God by defending his truth. Not that, not that you are the answer, but the fact that I'm going to stand for the truth of God. That would bring glory to God. You can glorify God by showing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives out of Galatians chapter 2. You can glorify God by worshiping Him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Is that your goal? Is that my goal today? Are we in it for the glory? Not my glory, not your glory but the glory of the God who created, who sustains, who is the giver of life, who satisfied the wrath of God in Jesus Christ, like being about the glory. Well, there's a reality to all this and that we can't do this by ourselves. And he finishes up with the right source of all of this. Um, it says... To the only wise God be glory forever, forevermore. How? Through Jesus Christ. 
John 17, 24 says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ desires that we would be people who put him on the throne, who lift him up, who give him the glory. Oh God, help me do that more. Help me do that better. Paul comes to the end of this amazing book. He wraps it up in a doxology that gets our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us, God. Help us, God. Well, so what? Has the work of Jesus Christ changed you? The work that saved you has it changed you? Is, is it making you a person who more and more every day is focused on God will get the glory? Because whether I eat or drink, the Bible says, do it all for the glory of God. God, help me. Help me be in it for the glory. Not the glory of standing in front of a group of people and afterwards a few of them come up and go, great job, Paul. Well, that was really cool. In it for the glory of our Savior. In it for the glory of our Father. In it for the glory of the Spirit who works in us that we can be used for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that comes from it. Thank you for this amazing book that, that Paul wrote to the Romans, a group that, as far as we know, he never, he never really got to this church. He just wanted to make sure they had the tools so that they could live, God, for your glory. And he finishes up this book with a, a doxology that just lifts you up, an anthem of praise. Lord, would I be a man of God? Would we be men and women of God who are filled with anthems of praise for our Savior? To him be the glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.